Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to read you some true stories sent in by listeners. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to some terrifying things that happen to other people. Try not to think too hard about that feeling of someone watching you from the hallway. Our first set of tales comes from Tracy Carvel, author extraordinaire and frequent contributor to the fiction side of this podcast. Tracy has a book out currently called Children of the Tide that is a must-read. I'll link it in the show notes, and eventually I'm going to be reading an excerpt on the show. Rochester Ghost Stories Hi Shelby, hope you are well. Here are a couple of spooky stories I thought you might like for one of your true story episodes. Neither of them are mine, though I do have a personal bit to add to the second. I heard them while I took a walking ghost tour of the town where I live, in Rochester, Kent, UK. The first is a Roman time slip. I thought you'd like this one because it's about a time slip. Oh, you know me so well, Tracy. Apparently, there is a well-known haunting at the foot of the hill on which Rochester Castle is built, in what is now a car park. Many people have seen the apparition of a Roman soldier there. But one summer night in the 1980s, at around 11pm, a pair of girls left the pub they were in as it was closing and sat down on a grass verge at the edge of the car park to wait for their friends and get some air. They were sitting and talking when one of them fell silent, staring across the car park in the direction of the castle. Her friend, thinking she was being ignored, shoved her and demanded to know what was wrong. The girl pointed and following her gaze, her friend saw that she was staring at the figure of a man in full Roman dress and armor, holding a spear and shield. He was standing submerged in the ground up to his knees and even with the helmet on his head, they could see that he was also staring directly at them. Terrified, the girls started to scream, and in reaction, the soldier turned and ran to the right, rising up out of the ground as if he was climbing an invisible set of stairs, and then vanished as if he had run through an invisible archway. Hearing the girls' screams, people from the pub ran out to see what was going on, thinking they were being attacked by someone. When they found the girls, they were in hysterics, and nothing could be got out of them. Finally, the police were called, who in turn called an ambulance. The paramedics did what they could to calm them, and eventually they were taken home. The next day, they recounted their story to one of the girls' mothers, who called a priest. The priest then called a local historian, who got the girls to describe the soldier in detail. From their description, He was able to pinpoint the era from which the soldier had come from to a period of 300 years, as they were so detailed and accurate with what the soldier's helmet, weapons, and shoes looked like. The girls recovered, but never went to that car park again after dark. Hopefully the soldier recovered too. After all, from his point of view, he must have seen two very scantily dressed young women sitting floating in mid-air staring at him as he stood on duty at the Roman garrison that used to be there. 2. The Demon of the Vines 
In Rochester, there is a lovely little park called the Vines. The name is due to it supposedly being a vineyard way back in Roman times, though it was previously called Monk's Orchard, as when there was a monastery in Rochester. That was where they grew their fruits. After that, it became common ground and then, in Victorian times, was converted into a park. Interesting side story, although groundskeepers and horticulturists swear there are no more traces of grapevines in the vines, every now and then a grapevine is found growing among the flower beds. But the most interesting and most dramatic story is the one that, again, has been witnessed by many people over the years, apparently since at least as far back as the 1920s. It is presumed that it began after the Victorian remodeling of the site into a park, though as the Victorians did not keep any records of what they might have found when they dug up the ground, no one has any idea why. There have been suggestions that it might have something to do with how the Romans would have had small shrines in their vineyard where they sacrificed animals to gain blessings and protection from the gods, but it's not much more than a guess. I don't think the monks ever reported anything wrong there while they had the land, though I could be wrong about that. So, since the 1920s, there have been regular reports of people feeling a sense of unease, nausea, dizziness, or outright terror when they walk through the park. The stories have a few things in common. They all happen in the spring or early summer, sometime between March and July. They all happened between around 10 p.m. and midnight, and they all happened in the vicinity of one particular park bench. In the 1990s, two men were sitting on the bench one evening with their dogs, a Staffordshire Bull Terrier and a Lurcher Cross. The men were drinking and chatting, as it was their habit to do on summer nights, and they were well known in town for being there and doing this. They'd done it many times before. But on this evening, as they were talking, the Bull Terrier suddenly jumped up from where it was sitting off-lead since it was normally so obedient, and raced to the very far end of the park, barking furiously. It stopped beneath a lamppost and turned, still barking and snarling, on full alert. His owner stood up and tried to call it back, but the dog refused to come back to the bench. His owner was about to go and get it, and put it on its lead, when his friend suddenly let out a yell. He turned to see that the lurcher was on the ground on its side, whining and trembling in fear, kicking and wriggling and apparently struggling to breathe. From the way it was struggling to get up, the two men said it looked for all the world like something was holding it down by its throat. Something they couldn't see. The man who owned the lurcher was horrified and fell into a fit of hysterical crying, not knowing how to help his pet. His friend, reacting instinctively, started to kick out at the air above the lurcher, trying to dislodge whatever it was that held it down. He was amazed and terrified when he felt his foot connected with something invisible, something that he said felt like the flank of a huge animal, and he kept kicking at it. After a few seconds, it seemed to let the lurcher go and was no longer there. While this was happening, a group of late-night revelers came into the park, and seeing all this, they mistakenly thought that the man was kicking the lurcher, and came running up to stop him. After being tackled to the ground and having a bit of a scuffle, the man was able to shout out his story, and the group let him up. 
They went to the aid of his friend who was cradling his lurcher, who was frightened but otherwise unharmed and sobbing. The man kept repeating the story about the invisible thing attacking the lurcher. At first they assumed the man was just drunk, after all, he had been drinking, but by this point he was stone cold sober and badly frightened. Then they saw the bull terrier, it had come back to the bench, but it was now standing with its back to the group, still on high alert, still barking and snarling. It was looking across the grass to a line of trees that edged the park. There was a small gap in the foliage, just a few feet high, and the dog was staring and barking in the direction of this gap, but there was nothing there. Not knowing what else to do, since they had one man in hysterics and another shouting about invisible monsters, not to mention an aggressive dog, someone in the group called the police. When they arrived, the officers saw two men and, recognizing them, assumed they had had too much to drink. But after they'd heard the story from all parties, they started to think differently. The two men were so affected by their ordeal that eventually, the police took them to the psychiatric ward at a nearby hospital. Apparently one of them, I'm not sure which, remained in psychiatric care for six months. Not quite a year later, the story reached a group of three young people, two boys and a girl, who, as a hobby, carried out paranormal investigations, and they decided to investigate this story. They traveled to Rochester, booked themselves into a hotel, and then set up in the vines, on the same bench, each night, from dusk until dawn. They had a variety of ghost hunting equipment that they set up each night, and they would sit on that bench in warm coats, with their torches and thermoses full of coffee, and they would watch and wait. On the first night, nothing happened, nor on the second or third, but on the fourth night, they came along and started setting up their equipment, and one of the pieces of equipment started reacting as soon as they switched it on. Thinking it was malfunctioning, they turned it off, reset it, and turned it back on. Again, it started reacting straight away. They tried to reset it again, and still the same thing happened, so they assumed it was broken and turned it off, deciding to do without it that night, and sat down to wait. About an hour went by, and one of the boys suddenly jumped up off the bench and shouted at his friends to run. He raced to the far end of the park, to the same spot where the bull terrier had run about a year earlier, and turned his back to his friend, shouting and waving his arms, Run, run, can't you see it? Get away! The other boy, confused, turned around to look. To his horror, he saw that the girl was no longer on the bench, but was kneeling on the ground, gasping for air and clawing at her throat as if she was trying to pull something off of her. Remembering the story that had brought them there, he reached out to help her. His hands made contact with something that he couldn't see, something that he later said felt like the hide of a large animal. He lashed out at it, and after a few punches, it let the girl go and was gone. He tried to help the girl onto the bench, but she refused to sit there, instead staying on the path. Of course, she was terrified and hysterical, and he did his best to calm her. Eventually, their companion came back shouting, Did you see it? Did you see it? They told him they'd seen nothing and described what had happened to them, then pressed him to tell them what it was he saw. 
The boy said that he had been sitting on the bench with him when he started to feel incredibly uneasy. He turned his head and saw a large, black, shadowy shape rushing towards them. Consumed with panic, he shouted at them to run and then fled himself. The panic didn't let him go until he was at the other end of the park. Then, afraid for his friends, he'd turned back to call to them. From there, he had seen them struggling, and he had seen something move in a straight line from the bench across the path and the grass to the tree line. But he couldn't tell them what he had seen because he said it was moving under the ground, creating a bulge in the earth that moved along in a straight line, like a cat moving under a bedsheet. Then he showed them where he had seen it go. It had moved from the bench to that same small gap in the foliage the bull terrier had barked at the year before. That was enough for the amateur ghost hunters. They packed up their equipment and went back to their hotel. And the next morning, they checked out and went home. There is one more interesting detail about this. On that straight line between the bench and the gap in the foliage, and is still there now in 2022, and the trees never seem to grow to fill it, is a small tree. Apparently it was planted within a few years of the trees that line the paths that crisscross the Vines Park. The trees by the paths are huge and towering now, probably about 20 feet tall with trunks as thick as cartwheels. The tree that stands in the line between the gap and the bench is still less than 10 feet tall and not much thicker than a man's arm. A friend of mine later confirmed to me that the tree has been there as long as he can remember and he's lived in the area all his life, over 20 years and as far as he can recall, it's always looked the same. Apparently the stories continue to this day, with someone reporting similar occurrences nearly every year. Most aren't as dramatic, but occasionally someone reports being attacked by something they couldn't see. The attacks only seem to last a few seconds until someone intervenes. And I have my own story to add to this collection. At the time, I didn't know the story of the Demon of the Vines, so I had no idea what to attribute it to until now. So in April of 2021, I volunteered to help staff a voting station for our local elections. The station was being set up in a church hall just around the corner from the Vines, and I had to be there from 7am to 10pm. Both the church hall and the Vines are very close to the main high street, so free parking is scarce, and I didn't want to have to pay for 15 hours in a car park, so I had to park a short distance away and walk to the hall. My route took me through the Vines. At 6.30 in the morning, with the sun coming up and the birds singing, it was lovely walking through the park. It is one of my favorite places in Rochester because it really is a lovely and generally very peaceful place. I enjoyed my little walk through the park and got to the church hall in good time to start my day of work. No problems. At the end of a very long day, after helping to close up the voting station and clear the hall, I set off to walk back to my car. The other volunteers were headed the other way, so I was walking alone. I was slightly apprehensive, being a woman walking alone at night, but it was midweek so there weren't too many drunk people coming out of the pubs, and I didn't have far to go. So I just kept my keys in my hand and walked quickly and tried to stay aware of my surroundings. 
I got to the vines and hesitated at the entrance. Looking across the park, looking for any suspicious types lurking around. The park is quite open apart from the trees that line the paths, and as they are so tall they don't obscure much, and I could see that the park was empty. So I relaxed and made my way along the path, heading for the other side. As I walked, I suddenly felt very, very uneasy. I dismissed it as nerves and kept walking. But as I drew level with that bench, my unease increased until I was absolutely terrified. I couldn't help breaking into a run and sprinting for the other side of the park. There was still nobody around, but I had a strong feeling that I was in danger. So I ran, and it wasn't until I reached the far end of the park that my fear subsided and I felt like I could stop. I immediately looked behind me, but there was still nobody there and nothing, as far as I could tell, to see. I was confused and very rattled, but I trusted my instincts and I hurried back to my car and locked myself in it as quickly as I could. I got home without incident, and after a while, I just sort of dismissed it as me getting spooked in the dark. But I don't normally scare that easily, and I never forgot it. I've been in the vines many times since, and never felt anything like that again, though I'm normally there during the day. But when I heard the story about the demon of the vines, my experience suddenly made a lot of sense. It was the right time of year, the right time of night, and it happened at the right part of the park, at that bench. And just like with other people, I had an overwhelming feeling of terror and I had to run. I've since googled the story and found nothing, so I guess it's a local legend. But I would love to hear if anyone has any theories on what the demon of the vines could be. Something within the ground that stunts the plant life and attacks people in the form of an invisible animal? I've never heard anything quite like it, and I am fascinated. Fascinated enough that, once spring rolls around again, I'll probably find an excuse to be sitting on that bench at 10pm. If anything happens, I'll let you know. Please do let us know, Tracy, and thank you so much for those stories. They were incredibly fascinating. You know, I wanted to comment really quick. I love the Roman time slip story, because like you said, the fact that his knees were sunken into the ground, like they had built up that car park over the years, and that's such an interesting detail, like just so fascinating, because I think that's one thing with ghosts and things, it's like, this house wasn't necessarily here at the time, that car park wasn't necessarily there at the time, so these ghosts or time slips or whatever is happening um, are sometimes just on different parts of the ground than we are, and I just love that. Thank you so much. This next submission is from Kat Sherwin, and Kat, I know you've been a longtime supporter of the show, so thank you so much. Here it is. I've never been easily spooked. I would say I'm open-minded on the topic of ghosts and their existence, having never had direct experience such as to convince me either way. I also have never had sleep-related behavioral issues like sleep paralysis or somnambulism, though I've always dreamt very vividly and intensely. 
Oh, and a note from Shelby. Somnambulism is sleepwalking, for those who weren't aware. About 10 years ago, my then boyfriend, let's call him Tony, and I were staying the night with his aunt. Let's call her Shirley. I'd never met Shirley, but she welcomed me into her very nice character home in an upscale Perth suburb, as though I'd been family forever. She was gracious, glamorous in a down-to-earth way, and a great conversationalist. Shirley was a single older woman, but up until perhaps five years prior to our visit, she had shared the house with her partner. Sadly, he took his own life by gunshot in one of the back bedrooms of the house, and since that time, no one had slept in the room and Shirley only used it for storage. At the time of our visit, though, circumstances dictated that we use that bedroom or sleep in the lounge room. She very graciously gave us the choice, and since both of us were fairly pragmatic, we chose the bedroom. Tony and I went out for a dinner date that evening, and Shirley went out with friends separately. Tony and I got home first, after more than a few glasses of vino. I somewhat blearily prepared for bed, taking note of where the bathroom was, where the door was, how to turn on the bedside lamp. I slept on the right-hand side of the bed, and kept my underwear on, because I was in someone else's house. Untold hours later, I half awoke and realized I needed the toilet and a drink of water, the latter desperately. I reached to where I remembered the light switch was, only to find that I was on the left-hand side of the bed. As my brain shook off the fog, more details emerged that were incongruent with my bedtime preparations. I could see the reflection of the streetlight off a television screen, when there had been no TV in our room. I realized I was naked, and worst of all, I realized I could hear Tony's jackhammer snoring much further away than next to me. Terrified, confused, and ultimately very embarrassed, I bolted from the room and stumbled through the dark, unfamiliar house, still shaking off the dregs of alcohol and fending away the beginnings of a solid hangover. I found our room and Tony, snoring fit to wake the dead, and leapt on him, shaking him and demanding he explain why he let me leave the room. Eventually, I got back into the correct bed and went back to sleep. In the morning, I got up early and crept to the kitchen. Poor Shirley had camped on the lounge room floor, having come home from dinner to find me in her bed. She figured that either we'd had a fight or Tony snoring, legendary in his family, had gotten too much for me. Over coffee, I told her my experience, and we quietly reassured one another that all was well. I wasn't scared of that room, I got no ill feelings from it, and I certainly didn't feel the need to leave the house or anything. But apparently my subconscious was having none of this whole saga and decided we weren't sleeping in there. I haven't walked in my sleep since that night. Nothing strange like that has happened to me, before or since. I just felt awful that I'd ousted a lovely woman from her bed for such a silly reason. This next submission is from Esmeralda James, who has submitted to the True Story episodes before, and they're usually pretty spooky, so thank you for sending in another of your experiences, Esmeralda. Hi, Shelby. I know I always share with you and your listeners my scary true stories about ghosts, and even though this story is not about a ghost, it is still paranormal because I'm not sure it is not normal. It is scary because not knowing how you go from one place to another is really disturbing. I wanted to share with you something that happened to me 
three times in the past 15 years. I'm not sure what to call it because I don't know how it happens. It is something that happens while I'm driving and I end up skipping time or I end up in a place I shouldn't be. The first time it happened, I was by myself driving. I skipped time and I have no idea how, but not like 10 or 20 minutes passed. I was in a trance like some people have when they are driving for so long, but more like I went from one location to another location without me knowing how I got there. I remember being about 20 minutes from my house, and when I looked up, I was almost at my destination, which it was about an hour away from my house. I looked at the time, and it was only 25 minutes since I left home. It was like I traveled into the future without me knowing how. The second time this happened, I was with my wife. We were driving down a road and we ended up about five miles from our house, which it was impossible because we were about 45 minutes from home going the opposite way. Again, I time traveled or something, but this time with someone else in the car. My wife was really confused, and until this day, she can tell you that it freaked the hell out of her. The third time this happened, I was with my niece. We were leaving my friend's house in Virginia. She lives about 45 minutes to an hour from Richmond, Virginia. We left her house, made two turns, and we ended up by the Hollywood Cemetery in Richmond, Virginia. That was about an hour from my friend's house. We had just left her house like 15 minutes ago. And now we were 55 minutes away from her house. But how? My niece freaked out. How did we make an hour drive in 15 minutes? And no, I didn't speed. I can't afford the ticket. The only thing that all three occurrences had in common was that I was in the middle of nowhere with no houses or other cars on the road when it happens. And I was driving. I wonder if anyone else has had this happen too. That was so fascinating, Esmeralda. I've heard of lost time like that. There's a lot of stories like that on the subreddit Glitch in the Matrix. And I've seen a few like TikToks and things about people who have had similar experiences. So you're not alone, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> and I wish I did. And if anyone else has any idea or if anyone else has had an experience like this, please let me know or let Esmeralda, let me know so I can let Esmeralda know so she doesn't feel so alone. This next submission is from... I'm so sorry, I don't know if it's ARA, or because ARA was in all caps, if it's A-R-A, but thank you, ARA or A-R-A. <laughs> Hello, Shelby. Despite not liking the horror genre, your podcast has truly converted me. Awesome. I look forward to new episodes every week, especially during the holidays, LOL. For my submission, I have two super short experiences, the only times I've experienced anything supernatural that I'm aware of. Number one, my family and I were on our way to church in the evening, and as we drive down a small road, there was a house with a small bunch of trees. I was staring out the window when I saw someone in that small bunch of trees. What caught my attention about them is that they were black, as in pitch black, with no real features. Only the shape of it appeared human. It was only for a few seconds, but for these short seconds, I stared at it as we passed. I even twisted my body to look back and it did not move or reveal any features despite the sun still being out. I might have just been seeing things, but I never saw it again after that. 
I still steal glimpses at that small bunch of trees when I pass by. Number two, fast forward a couple years. It's nighttime, and my dad and I have just come back from a store. I don't remember which store or why we went. For a bit more context, we lived in a one-story apartment complex. Think of it as a rounded square. On each side was an opening, and inside of that square is a big lawn where all the kids go out to play in the evening. There are a total of three round square apartment complexes, excluding the two-story single-line apartments in the far corner of the property. The spot we lived in was close to a new preschool, or behind it since the preschool is close to the road, and we are behind it separated by a small overgrown marsh, if that's the correct term. It's one of those trenches where the water should drain into during heavy rain. Also, a simple fence. So it's in this order. Preschool, marsh slash trench, fence, road, apartments. There are no parking spaces in that side of our apartment complex, so we'd have to park on the side of the road, sticking close to that fence. That was a lot of info, lol. So this night, when we parked by the fence, I was on the passenger side, so I would get off and face the trench slash marsh. I walked around behind the car to head to our apartment. As soon as I touched the road and turned my back to the marsh, I heard children laughing. Clear as day, I heard children laughing behind me at night. I was startled and quickly turned around, but I saw and heard nobody else aside from me and my dad, who were already close to the apartment. I ran to him and didn't say anything. I assumed he heard nothing since he looked calm. I was super creeped out by it, but didn't think much of it. So those were my two experiences, probably not as exciting as the other submissions, but to me they were quite scary, but exciting. Lots of love from Florida. Our next submission is from Jay. I'm not exactly sure if this story was real or just a figment of my imagination, but either way, here it is. This story happened back in 2014 or so. I was about eight or nine when I had gotten a doll for my birthday. It was a beautiful doll. She had porcelain skin and big blue eyes, matching with her blonde hair. She wore a lacy child's dress that was mostly white, but had soft yellows and blues. This doll had a voice box in a pocket on its back, and when clicked, it would make a young girl's laughing sound. It often sat on a chair during the night. Soon after I got it, I had realized that it would laugh on its own during the night. I used to believe that it was just slightly falling to the side and hitting the voice box on a corner or something. A few months after I had gotten the doll, I had gotten tired of the voice box, so I decided to take it out of the doll during the night. So every night, I took the voice box out and put it in an often empty drawer, and left the doll in its chair on the other side of the room from the drawer. About a week or so after I started doing that, I went to bed as normal. A few hours later, I woke up to a sound. It was about two in the morning. The sound was the laughing of the doll's voice box, coming from the doll. It seemed to be louder than it usually was, but being a kid, I didn't think much of it, so I went back to sleep. It wasn't until a few minutes later that I realized, wait, didn't I put the voice box into my drawer? I said to myself. I got up and went to the drawer I usually put it in. When I opened it, the voice box was still in the same spot I had left it in. I didn't sleep in my room for the rest of the night, 
I did end up getting rid of the doll about a year later. Neither of my parents believed me when I told them about that night. Often, even ten years later, I see a ghost-like image of the doll, with her blue eyes, blonde hair, and white dress. The perfect image of her. And our last submission for this true story episode is from Casey H. This is a true story. You see, I have a girlfriend whom I love very much. She has a special ability. She can see into the future of those she cares about. More specifically, she can see their future life-threatening moment. Let me start off with a little bit about my girlfriend's childhood. She's able to see spirits. Ever since she was a child, she was able to see, speak, and feel spirits. She actually has an attachment to an entity who shows her visions of the people she cares about being in life-threatening situations, and I believe this 100%. The first vision she had was one of her mother breaking her back. At first, she shrugged it off and went about her business, but later, her mom bent down to pick up a heavy object, fell over, and broke her back. There have been many occasions of the likeness, and my girlfriend has foretold them all. It's a little confusing, but here are some rules to these visions. One, she has to be emotionally connected with someone to have a vision about their life-threatening situation. Two, she cannot tell the full details of the situation to the one in danger, only a vague warning to potentially avoid getting heavily injured or killed, or the vision changes. And number three, she can only warn people of the danger. She cannot intervene. She's foretold my danger in the future and says it involves an old, beaten, black car and ends with me narrowly avoiding death. My family owns two cars that match the description she told, and she has never seen them before. Thank you so much to those of you who shared your experiences with me and the Scary to Sleep audience. Of course, if you have any true stories you'd like me to consider for the show, please send them to scarytosleep at gmail.com and please put in the uh, subject line true story or true stories whichever just so I know how to which folder to put them into and it helps me out a lot thank you and thank you so much for listening to the show you can find all of my socials um, on in the show notes in the linked link nope not LinkedIn <laughs> the link tree <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it's at Scary to Sleep for Instagram and Twitter, and also the Facebook group. Uh, I think that's the way you can find that as well. And there's also Scary to Eat, which is the food uh, part of the Facebook group that you are not. It's a different group, but it's the food section of the Scary to Sleep community. If you want to join that as well. And yeah, thank you so much for all your support. Thank you so much to those of you who watched my first <laughs> bloody disgusting TikTok that came out uh, Tuesday. I got a lot of support and I'm really excited. It was my first real like TikTok-y TikTok, I think. And it was a lot of fun and I will be doing more in the future. So yay. And go follow, follow Bloody Disgusting on TikTok. If you do TikTok, it is at B, the letter B, disgusting. And you'll find it. Awesome. And I am putting the finishing touches on the next Guided Nightmare. It's something pretty different than I've ever done before. If you happen to be in Discord, I dropped in the other day and 
let everyone in there know what it's going to be, what the topic's going to be. So I hope you like it. Again, it's very different than the ones I've done before. I think I'm in a little bit, I've got into a little bit of a guided nightmare, um, like a uh, writing, writing block. <laughs> uh, there I've talked, I've talked about it before. They're pretty different to write than anything else. They're, they're incredibly difficult in their own way. And so even though they're shorter, it's such a specific way to describe things. So I get a little, uh, yeah, writer's blocky from them. But uh, this is, I think, going to knock me out of it. I want to try something a little different to kind of whack my brain into a little bit of a reset so I can come out with more Guided Nightmares because I know you enjoy, so many of you enjoy them so much and I don't come out with enough of them. So I cannot wait to hear what you think of this one. It should be out by this weekend. if the latest early next week. Again, just putting the finishing touches on it. Very excited about it. Uh, if I, what else do I need to say? Um, I don't think I have, oh, if you want a fiction story on the show too, also scary to sleep at gmail.com. What else is there? Um, I, did I bake this week? Did I? No, I didn't. I actually did not. I bought the stuff to bake this weekend. I didn't make that millionaire's pie. I went to the grocery store today, in fact, to get the stuff for that millionaire's pie and I got the stuff for a different kind of pie because I decided I was craving something different. So I'm going to be making a lemon supreme pie this weekend. It's such a good recipe. It's basically like a lemon cream cheese cheesecakey base with um, like a lemon filling curd type stuff on top. And I love it. It's so it's fantastic. It's it's also it's a no bake. Well, sort of no bake because I do have to bake the crust, but the rest of it is no bake uh, for the rest of the pie. Yeah, I was just looking for something lighter, like uh, taste wise, and I wasn't feeling chocolate this week, weirdly enough. So I'll let you know how that goes. Um, if you want the recipe again, like any of the recipes I mentioned, feel free to reach out to me, email me, DM me. Um, hope, if I see it, I will definitely just send you the recipe. No problem. I do not gatekeep recipes around here. Okay, now that I've said the word recipes about 500,000 times, let's all go. Let's all go. Um, yeah, go drink water. Take care of yourself. Take like, what do you do to relax? Do you um, take a hot bath? I do that a lot of times. Do you play a video game? I also do that. Lately, my nighttime routine has been putting on an ASMR video that I listen to while I play Stardew Valley. So I'm going to be going to do that right now. And I hope you have a good night, a good rest of your week. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams. <laughs>